You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hey y'all, welcome to the Get Fucking Real show. I'm your host, Lisa Cherney. And today we get to talk about who we were as a child and how we lose that often through trauma or just, you know, cultural, you know, imposing on us or other influences, how we lose ourselves and, and what are the paths to find it again. And Anna Reichenbach is our guest and she is the pioneer of the modern art called hoop dance. So for 20 years, she's traveled around the country teaching, speaking, and performing as a hoop dancer. And she shares with us the moment that she found the hula hoop at a music festival in her 20s. And that is when a true healing journey for her began. And it's just, it's such a poignant story and she's so beautiful in her owning of her ups and her downs and she calls it diving deep and coming back out and diving deep and coming back out. She does share a pretty poignant um, bottom that she reached during a tour that she was on in Australia, kind of living life large, two-week tour that was sold out. And uh, she also then shares very candidly like, okay, that was a, you know, that was a pretty dark moment, but you know, that wasn't my last. <laughs> and I love that. It really normalizes the journey that we're often on. And that is so much of what she stands for these days. You're going to love her. You're going to connect with more joy in your life. And you're going to walk away with some actual practical tools that you can use right now. And I'm super excited for you to meet her. Without further ado, Miss Anna Reichenbach. Hello, Hoopalicious Anna. I'm so excited to have you on the GFR show. Woohoo, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're very welcome. I was I was so excited to get to meet you and to you know, obviously the whole hoop thing is super unique and and yet, you know, here we go again with another like story that with the you know, struggle that has, you know, a beautiful divine purpose and you know, the intention of the show is to keep that mission-driven entrepreneur motivated when it looks like it's a shit show. <laughs> oh, you know, I like, am your girl. Oh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's what the, the guests have. And we all have that in common. We've had a little bit of a shit show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was yesterday now. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. For me, right. yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were talking uh, in the green room. I like to call it the green room. It sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Um, before the show and just like how we wish it was like this beautiful arc, you know, with just like, you know, one, you know, poignant moment. And then we wake the fuck up and all is well from there. But it just, <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. And so, um, so thank you for coming on the show and being willing to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. share your journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's always a pleasure to be able to talk about the deeper aspects of life. It's literally what I live for. So happy to be here. Me too. Yeah. Me too. All right. So let's start where lots of juiciness often happens is in childhood. So because that's where you discovered hoop and it really had this huge impact on your trajectory. So kind of give us like what led up to that discovery. Yeah. So I discovered the hoop, um, not like it was undiscovered before I found it, but <laughs> for you, I personally <laughs> discovered the hoop. <laughs> I yeah, when was the hula hoop yeah. even like, the hula hoop's been around for like centuries, right? Like that was. Well, yeah, te- technically, but in America it was, um, became a thing in the fifties. In the fifties. Um, okay. Yeah. But I was 20, 21 when I first played with the hoop. So I didn't actually, I was extraordinarily awkward as a child. I had no rhythm. I wasn't good at anything. Um, so, uh, so I couldn't, I couldn't do the hoop when I was a kid. It wasn't until later, but anyway, yeah. So, okay. So starting as a, yeah, if I had the hoop when I was a kid, maybe that would have changed some things. I don't know. So the music festival happened into your twenties where you discovered it. Ah. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I didn't make that more clear in my, in my bio. I guess I should have put the year or something, but, um, (laughs) well, I think it's, it's because, you know, when we think about, oh, you know, rediscovering our natural joy, you know, we mm. want that to have happened in our childhood, but it doesn't always happen that yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you're a person like me that had a less than perfect childhood, I like to say that my childhood was not safe for children. Oh my God. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome and <laughs> <It's>, not awesome. <laughs> I know it's awesome and not awesome, which is like life. Yay. Okay. Yay. Um, <laughs> um, there's this kind of sense of having uh, grown up too fast. And and on a more painful level of almost having your childhood stolen from you, you know. So and depending on when in your childhood your trauma occurred, sometimes it's earlier than you remember. For me, it was not, and my memory function was fully up and running, you know. So I have uh, talk about a GFR moment. I have a memory in my childhood of like before trauma and after trauma. Before trauma, I remember who I was. And I was this very free spirit, spirited, like I would just dance around. I like to play dress up. I was always communing with nature and with the animals. I was just like, I was like this very innocent, fairy sprite that just loved everything, you know? And then after the trauma, you know, I shut down big time and it started that whole domino effect like trauma does, right? So when I say rediscovering my joy, it literally was like rediscovering and allowing that part of myself that was true, that is who I came in here as, to come back into my body after, you know, let's see, I was 20, like six, so terrible at math, so like 15 years or whatever, <laughs> 15 years of being shut down and completely lacking who I truly was embodying who I truly was, it was like, it literally saved my life, that experience of feeling that little girl again, you know? So the hoop is incredible in that way. Yeah. 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 What I'm hearing is that because you remember so vividly that Mm -hmm. little girl that was so carefree, do, do you... 
you know, through your adolescence and into high school, and it sounds like even into college, did you, did you remember, like, did you, were you consciously aware I am not, like, I am not this, like, this is this person that I am expressing and how, you know, shut down that I am is not me because I remember that little girl. Like, was that a conscious? Um, no, I, it wasn't conscious to that level, but it was definitely like something is missing. Why can't I get out of being in pain all the time? Like I literally was walking around with a chronic broken heart and it became just what was, what felt like was me. Like, oh, I guess this is me now. It was more like that. So in a sense, the first time I hooped, it was like a surprise. It was like, oh, like I can still feel that. You know, that's still there. Thank the fucking gods. You know? <laughs> like, oh my God. You know, because it just was, I, it was a horrible way to live. Just a mm. chronic, chronic stress, chronically brokenhearted, literally, you know, is, it was the experience of, of my life. So, um, and not to say that, that that the hoop just magically took it away. And, you know, like we, like you alluded to in the beginning, there's many, many moments of that, you know, like healing old stuff takes a while. You know, when stuff occurs in your early formative years, it goes deeper than your conscious knowing. And so even if you're really committed to healing, it takes a long time, you know, and you'll find layers that you thought you'd already healed and then they come back up again. And so there's this sense of having to develop a strong um, self-love practice to fall back on resilience, things like that, um, because it is a long road. Yes. Uh, Can yeah. you take us a little bit through the, the, that hoop euphoria or like that moment yeah. where, you know, you, you discovered it, you tried it. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, because what I'm thinking is, is that as adults, we have these opportunities often to rediscover mm -hmm. and reclaim parts of ourselves that, you know, we've forgotten about. I, I don't know. I feel like if we hear more about what that was like for you, then we can maybe seek some things out that might give us a similar experience. Absolutely. And that actually brings me to GFR number four. All right. You go, yeah. girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. GFR commandment number four, trust that your struggle serves your mission. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So one of the, um, the blessings of hypervigilance. So if you're familiar with trauma at all, uh, early childhood trauma, hypervigilance is a common thing that, that people get. So it's a sense of like always looking like for the next, you know, thing, the bad thing that's going to happen. And there's a lot of stress and, and, you know, involved in that. But there is a gift in that as well, in that you become extraordinarily observant. So people who have hypervigilance notice everything. And when you get to a level, even before you get to the level of healing, uh, there's this like superpower that, you know, you notice things that people won't notice. And that means that you can more easily follow these kind of deeper inner impulses. You can notice when something lights you up, maybe a little bit easier than someone who is just kind of like, do, 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 like life is just fine. And, you know, I don't have to really watch out for anything. Right. My, the gift of my high observational <laughs> abilities had me at this music festival notice this woman who was hula hooping on the side and not just notice that she was hula hooping, but notice that she just seemed to be emanating bliss. You know, she was not doing anything fancy there at that point in hoop dance, 
history, there was very few tricks, you know, some people had a couple of tricks. So it wasn't fancy at all. That's not what drew me. What drew me was just the way she was moving her body and just her whole being was just like this person so in the present moment and just loving everything about it. You know, I looked at her and I said to myself, I want that. I want that feeling. It wasn't even really about the hoop. It was the feeling that she w- was, that was emanating off of her. And obviously the hoop was like, okay, well maybe that's why she feels like that. Let me try that. And like I mentioned before, I was never very good at physical things. I always loved to dance around. That was my one thing. But in terms of like sports or anything with an object, like I was the one getting hit in the head with the ball on the schoolyard. You me know? Too. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I still don't like balls for that reason. Not those kind of balls, but anyway. <laughs> I know I was just about to make a similar joke. Like I, my head is sort of is, used to be like an attraction for balls. And oh my God. It's going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing. Anyway. So I saw her hooping on the side and uh, it was at a music festival where a string cheese incident was playing and they used to throw hoops out to the audience. So they had a bunch of hoops on the side. So I went over and I picked up a hoop spun it a few times. It dropped a few times like it does for everybody, but then it clicked. And as soon as it clicked and it had like maybe five revolutions without dropping, there was just, there's like this very unique sensation with hoop dance that having this object moving on your body without your hands, it elicits this sort of euphoria that is very specific to hoop dance. I haven't tried anything else that has the same thing, even other like poi or things that you can, you know, juggling, you know, I'm not a good juggler, but you know, all the other manipulation things, it doesn't quite have the same effect. So that sense of bliss that I saw emanating off this woman clicked in as soon as it went more than, you know, four or five revolutions around me. And right then is when I started to feel that, that joy start to bubble up. It was so engaging that I literally didn't stop hooping that first time for five hours. You know, I don't even remember having wow. to pee because I, I just was so into the hoop and it wasn't my hoop. So I knew if I put it down, somebody else would get it and then maybe I wouldn't get it back, you know? And there was a couple different, like some, at least two people were like, can I use the hoop now? And I was like, no, I'm still using it. Like <laughs> put me totally back into my child self. And at that first time, that first, you know, five hour session, I was doing full leaning back, jumping up in the air, doing, you know, just things that didn't occur yet in hoop dance. So my, one of my best friends and previous performance artist partners, she likes to say that I downloaded hoop dance in that moment, you know, from the universe, like, okay, here's your mission. You're going to like spread this around now. So yeah, it, it showed me that I still could feel all of that joy, which I didn't know that was still in there. I'm so glad I asked that question. That was, I like went on that journey with you. That was Oh, but to answer your question actually more directly, I think that, that noticing the things that draw you. So noticing if you're watching somebody do something or you see something online that just gives you even the tiniest little spark. I like to call it following your fascination. With hoop dance, this this occurs in the whole dance. You're constantly following your fascination. You're following your fascination, what, what it feels like in the hoop to your next movement. But in life, you can do this to find what is the next step and the next place in your personal evolution, whether that be to find your joy or get your next business mentor, whatever it is. If you become really aware of how it feels inside your being and what it feels like to be even just mildly interested in something, if you're really dark down in the hole, even just mild interest 
you can follow to the next step, to the next step, to the next step, which can lead you to something that can be huge in your life. But you have to notice, you know, and not ignore it. You know, don't keep swiping. <laughs> you know, stop. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes. Stop so, scrolling. Stop scrolling and swiping. Yes. <laughs> stop for a minute and you want to drink it in like, oh, like I'm feeling something get whatever you need to get, whether it's courage, whether it's time, whether, whatever it is to actually step into that thing that you is sparking your interest, you know, and just go for it. Thank you. That's so uh, specific and helpful. And I love it. Follow your fascination Yeah. and really acknowledges that, that dark hole that however you, however we define that for ourselves, you know, cause I mm. for sure know I have the dark hole, but I know that my dark hole isn't as dark as, as some, but I think if we acknowledge we all have it and then create the strategies for navigating it, you know, I was going to say managing it, but I don't think it's about that. I think it's about kind of allowing it and then also noticing the things that are trying to pull us out, the lifelines yes. that are trying to, the fascinations that are trying to, to get in would yes. be beautiful. Yes. I mean, what sparks in me when you say that is I think it, one of the little traps that we can get ourselves into now with all of our spiritual technologies and, you know, we have so many tools and tricks and different things is that it can be difficult to discern at first when it is, when is the moment like, okay, we know we need to fully feel our feelings, right? We're kind of all pretty aware of that now. We need to not hide from our feelings. We need to not shove them down. But there's a moment when you go from feeling your feelings to wallowing in your feelings. So it takes some like practice and discernment to know, okay, where's the point where now I'm just relishing being a depressed freaking mess. And I'm, you know, where have I now become the identity of the depressed person? Where have I, you know, where's that line for me? Cause it's different for all of us. And it's, and that's a good indication. If something is sparking you and you go, nah, <laughs> you're wallowing, right? <laughs> so the, oftentimes when start, things start to spark for you to pull you out, that's when you've had enough of that emotion, whatever it is, you've cycled enough through your body. Now you're just causing yourself unnecessary stress. Now you're just allowing yourself to, to you know, be a mess on the floor a little too long, like be a mess on the floor when you need to, but get back up when the opportunity arises, right? It's like this dance of discernment. Yeah. And wa very wise words from someone who has lived a lifetime of the upward spiral, you know, of, mm -hmm. of, you know, going down and coming back up and going down and coming back up. And, you know, when we were preparing for the show, we were looking at, you know, the title, like we just decided, like, we're going to acknowledge that last week was a dark hole <laughs> in addition yeah. to last year. And, and you know, we're, we're going to share a really poignant, you know, GFR moment. And it's not the only one, you know, That's that right. you've had, That's but, right. uh, you know, it'll, it, it's going to help us um, share your, you know, your awesome journey, but also give people permission to just have more than one GFR moment. Yeah. It's so crucial. You know, I think we hold ourselves up to such a, an unlivable high standard and that's just kind of what we seem to do. And they, we can do that in any area of our lives, even spirituality, you know, even healing, you know? So when we follow people that we admire and that we look up to and we emulate and we're trying to learn from, and most of what we're hearing is that they had one big moment and now they're put now it seems like they're just perfect. You know, it's, it can be really, um, really difficult to not hold yourself up to that standard. And then finding out you're a human being 
it can be deeply disappointing. And so one of my missions in life is to really just normalize that we are on a spiral. You know, we go in and out of consciousness. We go in and out of enlightenment. We go in and out of insight. You know, we have many, many, many dark moments and we have many, many, many amazing moments. And that if we can make it all just greetable, if we can greet each moment with a willingness to be exactly who and how you are in that moment, then it's not so bad. <laughs> and it can, it can be actually a beautiful life, you know, if we don't hold ourselves up to such an unlivable high standard. I totally agree. I love it. Make it greetable. Make it yeah. greetable. And that's what the show, the show is about. I mean, this show is about normalizing all of the stuff, you know, yeah. and I, I'm told that, you know, even if somebody hasn't experienced the thing that's in the title of the episode, like jail or bankruptcy or divorce yeah. or whatever, that they find, you know, they find themselves in the story. Yeah. Uh, and um, that, that makes me feel like I'm doing my job here. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Anna, so you discovered the hula hoop five okay. hours, the first time where, you know, you downloaded hoop dance and I, <laughs> I, I can't, I'm, I'm going to watch more videos. I, I have to see you do your thing. I didn't get a chance to, 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 indulge as much as I want. Oh, it's super fun. You'll I, get to see I, a whole other lifetime of mine. Okay. I think, and we know what, we'll put a link to one of your videos in the show notes for people like, I got to see this because, yeah. yeah. And you know, also I remembered that my daughter won a hula hoop contest in like the fifth grade or fourth grade because, she, and she, it was a, who could hula hoop the, the, the longest Oh yeah. And she went over an hour um, and every, you know, everybody else pooped out. And the only reason she had to stop was because she was getting picked up, you know, from the daycare. <laughs> she's like, was. I just got to stop now. Yeah. <laughs> but so that, that really, um, she's always really enjoyed the hula hoop and she's a, a dancer and we have a trampoline in our living room, just outside those doors. She's always, you oh, know, nice. been connected with moving her body. And so thank you for that. Bring me back to that memory of her hula hoop marathon that she, I think she got a certificate, you know. And you know, we're going to need to get you a hoop now so that you guys can do it together. I you know, probably. And I picked up a hula hoop recently and I was like, I couldn't do it. I was like, what happened? I just was it a small hoop? Probably. So the bigger the hoop, the easier? In okay. the beginning, yes. You need an adult size, adult size hoop. All right. Thank you for that. I'm yeah. going to, yeah, I'm going to do. All right, y'all. I'm buying a little pictures, <laughs> pictures to come. Lisa the Hooper, watch out. Yeah, watch out. I love dance. I love dance. And uh, I haven't been, a, I used to be a Zumba a crate, you know, fanatic. I love Zumba. Mm. Um, and I haven't done dance in a while. And I, you know, I've had foot and I have surgery and all these things, but my physical therapist said, if you have two weeks without pain in your foot at all, you can go back to Zumba. So I'm waiting for that. And I, I, I dance is magical. Mm -hmm. um, yes. It's yeah. like the lifeblood of my life at this point. Yeah. 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 So take us um, to what happens after you discover your love of the hula hoop and start to um, get out there with this hoop dance thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It had, it had many, many phases, you know, at, in the beginning, I just would learned how to make my own hoops because I couldn't find hoops oh, wow. like that size, uh, that weight anywhere. They weren't making them anywhere. And so I, um, through trial and error and a very crafty, handy boyfriend at the time, we figured out how to make just like the perfect adult size hoop. And we were living in my Volkswagen van with our two dogs and traveling around to music festivals and selling hoops. 
uh, out of the, you know, out of the van at music festivals. So, and of course, from there, people, you know, they were going to buy the thing. They want to know how to use it. So I had to learn how to teach it. And then I became a teacher. And then as I got better, people wanted me to perform. And so I became a performer and it really, I had very little plans except for wanting to save the world with hula hoops. That was like my whole plan. <laughs> <laughs> I was 22. Okay. You know, I was like, I save the world with hula hoops. You know, I'd have like fantasies about, you know, corporations hooping before their board meetings and how much that would improve their connection with each other and themselves. And, you know, it was very idealistic time. So it, everything just kind of happened magically. You know, I didn't really say, okay, I'm going to do this now and then make a you plan. You followed your fascination. <laughs> I did. I followed my fascination and then, you know, magical things happened. Like I was hooping at a party and um, somebody was there who hired talent for Cirque du Soleil parties. And so they, that started me traveling. I went to Italy twice in one summer to perform uh, for the performers, which was highly intimidating at first, at their premiere parties. They have massive premiere parties every time they bring a circus somewhere. And so I did that for... I don't know, five to eight years or something all over the world. And, you know, it just, everything just kind of happened magically. I did taught workshops all over the world and yeah. Wow. Incredible, magical life. And now there's, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of hoopers all over the world. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really wild. Yeah. There's some, there's, you know, I'm more owning that GFR is a movement. And that's what I'm hearing from you is that you created mm-hmm. a movement, you know, yeah. where it does take on a life of its own outside of you. It doesn't, it has to. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so because we're acknowledging that there are um, multiple dark holes or dark nights, we call them <laughs> GFR wormholes around yes. here. Um, <laughs> so take us take you know, share with us, you know, one or multiple that um, was poignant, particularly poignant for you or took you through, you know, took you to a big piece of struggle with the purpose, you know, commandment, GFR commandment number four that you want to share with the listeners. Yeah. So I've got many, 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 but I'll share, (laughs) I'll share with you a pretty big one uh, that I think ties a lot of things together. So I was in Australia at what should have been the height of my hoop dance career. You know, I had a whole Australian t- uh, tour that was practically sold out, workshops all over Australia. You know, I had just come from Bali teaching at a big hoop retreat there. Uh, you know, everything was supposed to be fantastic. However, I was dating someone that was highly toxic, uh, who was just like dragging me through the mud. And I was reacting in a way that was not um, necessarily in alignment with, with the actual events. So my reaction was way bigger than, you know, what was actually happening. And to the point where I literally was like screaming at him on his voicemail, which is not like me at all. You know, I'm fairly even keeled most of the time until I get to this one point. And I just completely lost my shit, you know, and was an emotional mess screaming at him on the phone, knowing it wasn't going to do any, any good, you know, on his voicemail, knowing we were breaking up, knowing everything. And afterwards I got off the phone and I was in this beautiful hotel in Australia, overlooking the bay, like beautiful setting, you know, and I just walked out to the, to the balcony and I looked over contemplating if I jumped out, if it would kill me or just injure me badly. I think I was on the second or third floor. And that moment of just like, wow, 
this, that was the close, I'd, I'd wished for death many times in my life. And since then I have, you know, when you're really experiencing f- such emotional pain, I think it's kind of a natural thing, just like make it stop. But that was the one moment where I actually contemplated actually jumping off. I still, there was still a part of me that knew I never would really do that. But that, that feeling of like, okay, I'm actually really thinking about this right now, really kind of sat me back on my heels. You know, it was just like, wow, okay. All of this that's coming out of me is not necessarily from this breakup. I know the source. I know it's from my childhood. I know what events it's from. I can see now that I need to do a lot more healing. You know, even though I'd already been on the path of healing to a certain extent and had reached certain milestones, it made me realize I wasn't done and that I need to get really serious about it. Like we were talking about earlier, that moment didn't like magically make the, <laughs> the rest of the trip what it could have been. But I thank God for, for hoop dance and thank God for my ability to give my gift in that way at that time, because it literally was this like study in contrast. You know, I would go from crying my eyes out in my hotel room or in my host's house to pulling myself together and teaching a full hoop workshop, like full power. And nobody knew. I talked to people since then and nobody had any idea what I was going through, you know? So you could say that that's not a good thing, like that I could shove it down that hard, but there is a benefit to being able to pull your shit together and show up to give your gifts. There is a benefit to that. And I see that as the, the blessing of having to deal with so much for so long that you can pull it together. You know, that resilience has, has served me really, really well in life. But after that moment, getting home, obviously the breakup happened. It's like, okay, clearly I am not going to date toxic people anymore. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of decisions that were made, you know, of like, like I had gotten in that same, that same year, I'd gotten breast implants, which I have no judgment, but it was so clearly chosen. And I got them out three years later. It was so clearly chosen from this deep level of insecurity. And the guy that I was dating was this like hot, young, like stud, you know, and I felt like I had to be, live up to who he was by being perfect, you know? And so it just, it just caused me to just stop and go, okay, wow. I have made some major choices based on things that are not healed places in my life. And I don't want to live like that. You know, I want to live the fullness of my being. I know how much I am capable of giving. I know how much I'm capable of being, and I'm not satisfied with less than that. So it just caused me to get a little bit more serious, go back to the drawing board, sit with myself more, um, begin to learn how to love myself, you know, and it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a constant journey. It just is. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. And the, I, I, you know, we've had, I was going to say, unfortunately, I don't know. I, I, don't, I often don't like to say unfortunately because it's like a judgment, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like we've had a lot of people, a lot of their guests on the show, awesome, successful, smart, amazing people that have accomplished a lot talk about suicide. You know, there's not much that surprises me anymore, like not much that I haven't heard or that, I, you know, I kind of feel a little bit like how Oprah would sort of feel like, you know, she would say that, you know, that she just had such a schooling, you know, mm. um, because of her show. And I have had that through the show. And then, you know, just the relationship I've had with my clients over the years, they tell me things, they confess things. And I have to tell you that that was the one thing that I was not surprised about, but I, I was a little, I was a little surprised. Yeah. I'll say about how prevalent suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation, whatever that, 
you know, yeah. however you want to say it, how, yeah. uh, how common it is. Cause it's just not where I go, you know, right. I, 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 you know, I have a, a history of addiction to food and then I was in a 12 step program for 15 years mm-hmm. you know, for food and, you know, issues around my body image and, and exercise and all these things. And yeah. so I know that, you know, probably my addiction just covered up that it's not where I went and go to suicide. I just went to food and, you know, that was my yeah. friend, you yeah. know? So I really appreciate, and you know, you said in, in, when we were prepping, you said, um, what, what it, where I have it. Oh, wishing for death that you're, that you're very cavalier about mm-hmm. talking about that because yeah. it, it, you know, so maybe you could just talk a little bit about, about that because, you know, we have had guests where they talk about, um, they've contemplated suicide or tried to, 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 to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that is a, there's a, in least in the story that we told on the show, you know, there's mm-hmm. kind of this arc of no, not doing that again, you know, kind right. of thing. Yeah. And so I would love for you to, to share, you know, about, about that, you know, yeah. um, like that is wishing for death is something you're accustomed to. And then how yeah. you, how you live, live with that. How do you live wishing for death? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in a strange way for me, oftentimes wishing for death is when I finally have had enough of the pain and that I'm calling out to the universe for help. So very often wishing for death is like, like the visual is like me on my knees with my, you know, arms flung open to the sky, like, dear God, fucking save me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, kill me or save me is the feeling, you know? And in a sense, that is like the mark of my beginning to spiral back up. So there's only been a couple of times where I wished for death for longer than a day or two. Um, And that has only been in the last year as my, I'm 44 and my hormones are starting to shift. So I've had to deal with that, which is really fascinating. Totally get it. Totally get it. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is like really intense. Like what is going on? And so, you know, I'm going to acupuncture and using some other modalities to help, help that part. But um, the wishing for death, I think, is more common than we talk about, you know. And for me, it occurs when I'm just in so much emotional pain that it just feels like I just don't want to be in that much pain anymore, you know. And... And it's, yeah, like I said, it's a call to God, like, just kill me or save me, one or the other, for God fucking sakes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and it t- tends to be that not long after that is when I start to, to make the little, you know, stair-step climb back out into the light. Because when you call that intensely, you get an answer. Yes. You get an answer. And strangely, there's like this, almost there's a sense of connection to the divine in that moment that is part of what calls me out. You know, it's that extreme of like, you know what? Whew, like I am feeling this and I'm acknowledging that I'm feeling this and I'm acknowledging that I'm wishing for it to end and I'm asking for help. And I think that's a powerful moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm taking in what you're sharing and I'm relating it to myself. And I think for me, it looks, or the way maybe I've characterized it is that I get to a place of surrender. Yeah, you know, where mm-hmm. I'm just like, that's it. You know, yep. I'm not doing this anymore like this. This feels <laughs> crappy. You know, I don't yep. care what happens to me. You no, know, it's more like, you know, because you know, like my most recent one has been I'm really, really confronting my fears around money. Mm. And, you know, when I GFR with myself, uh, that fear causes a lot me to do a lot of things that 
you know, I don't want to do from stressing and struggle and pushing and striving to, you know, saying yes to things. And, you know, basically every G of our commandment, you know, comes <laughs> down to like, what is, you know, what is the fear that's driving you to do the things, you know? And so, you know, I remember, you know, I had this, it's funny, I'm Jewish, but I, there's no other, no better expression than come to Jesus. But I yeah. have this come to Jesus <laughs> moment, you know, and I was just like, I, I don't, you know, I, this GFR thing I know is my mission. I know that it's been, it's an, it's appointed. I know mm -hmm. I'm the one to do it, you know, or kick it off, you know, and so show me the money, you know, mm. and, you know, and, and what I got was like, it doesn't work that way. Surrender's first. Yeah. You know? So I got to deep surrender at the end of October. I had the podcast out since May, you know, and I was uh, letting go of um, an old uh, business partner and some old, old things. And this was the new thing that was coming in. And I was like, mm -hmm. I need to see that I could do this, you know, that this, mm. you know, that there's financial flow coming. And it was literally like the next month in November that um, I made, I think it was $110,000 nice. in November, which I, my bookkeeper was like, do you realize? And I'm like, no. I mean, I knew that things were flowing, you know, and that the universe yeah. was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you surrendered, we'll show you. But I didn't, I didn't realize that because I wasn't, my eye wasn't on it anymore, right? I had surrendered it. And so I do, you know, and, and it is something that I work on with my clients. I do this uh, process called unmentoring for, for people mm. that are a certain stage of their of their evolution where it's not about somebody's systems or somebody else's success. It's about, you know, what does it look like for you? What, what do we need to let go of? What, what do we mm. need to say no to? What pieces of what you learned do we need that resonate with you? And, and so, you know, there's just this bubbling up of, of living that GFR, you know, message, but through the healing of your own work, which you are such a testimony to mm. of using your own work for your own healing and then having that healing you know, sort of be birthing or inspiring that next level, you know, or next iteration of your work in the world, which you shared that is, uh, is currently in, in some kind of transition with, um, you know, really embracing the self-love, you know, part of your work. Yeah. Yeah. The self-love piece is so crucial. I feel like everyone is different. Everyone starts, you know, at, at a different place and all ro roads that lead towards the center are equal, you know? So this may not be true for everyone, but for me, what I found is the self-love practice created like a, an unshakable self-love practice created the foundation for me to be able to greet and address anything that was coming up, however dark or scary. It, I recently, like I said, just like a couple of weeks ago, fueled by my now shifting hormones, <laughs> had such a deep, dark hole. It was so intense that I actually reached out to three or four friends, which I like never do, which I know you're supposed to do, <laughs> but I'm used <laughs> to handling it on my own, you know, but the, it was so deep, dark. I was like, you guys, like I'm going through some kind of freaking mental breakdown, like I might actually need support, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. So this is why, like I mentioned earlier, every time you, you go down into a dark hole and then you call back out, you have a new layer that's in the process of being healed. You have new skills, you have new insight, you have new perspective and more and more is coming off of you. Yeah. So you have to be willing to just be there. So this was a very unique experience for me because I literally had no access to my normal tools. Like even my powerful self-love practice, I couldn't reach it. I just couldn't reach it. And I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, what? I just like, I literally want to die 
and I'm not stopping wanting to die. You know, like what is going on? And what I discovered is that I had touched on this place of anger that was actually further up in my timeline of my childhood. I did so much work on the early trauma that it was mostly done. And then I, I was like, oh, I'm now moving up in my timeline. Now I have this other trauma that happened to deal with. And so there's all this anger that I had been managing with my tools, but it was under there. So this is where like that tricky discernment comes in, right? Like you can manage, you can use all the tools to manage your pain, but not quite get to the point of fully healing it. If you're just constantly managing, constantly managing, it helps you survive, but you might not live the fullest amount of joy and life and vitality that you can. Yeah. So in fully surrendering to like this anger was just pouring out of me and I just let it rip. I was like, I hate everything. Fuck spirituality. Fuck this healing journey. None of this shit works. Why am I even doing I like fully awesome. let it rip, which I just never do. Right. And so then the moment, which was like my full dark moment of the darkest moment of, you know, wishing for death and then reaching out to my friends, that was like the, the bottom. And that's what helped me to, you know, come back up. And I realized that I had to fully surrender to that point of letting the anger be expressed because it was something that was not expressed when I was a kid. I wasn't safe to express and I had never felt safe to express. So self-love can actually look like saying, I fucking hate everything because <laughs> if it's a foundation, I'd worked on it so hard that it was working without me even realizing that self-love foundation was way under there that was creating this safe place for me to express my anger in a way that I had never felt safe to express without even me realizing it or consciously um, aware of what was happening. It wasn't until after I came out, I was like, oh, all that work I did on self-love, even though I couldn't like make myself feel like I love myself in that moment, it was <laughs> holding me, you know, and I, because I practiced it so long and I'd had it to such a level of strength, it was working in the background without me even realizing it. So... This, the, this is why I call myself a self-love advocate amongst many other titles, um, is that if you don't do any other thing, if you literally dedicate yourself to self-love practice, which is not some airy-fairy like, oh, sure, I love myself. It's literally saying to yourself, I love you. In the mirror is even more powerful. You know, I love you. I love you so much. You know, all the things, all the derivatives of that, whatever comes up, and it's going to feel awful at first. But that one practice, doing it for long enough for to, to feel the effects, like at least a month, like every day for a month, will serve you in anything that you do. That's kind of been the main thing that's really started to get down to the bottom of things and let me process enough to get true, real, deep down to the bones healing so that I can live my natural zest for life and celebration because that is 100% who I am. And without celebration, without life, without vitality, without fun and joy, I'm slowly dying every moment and I'm not willing to live that way. Yeah. Amen, sister. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Awesome. <laughs> I just want to like go hula hoop or do whatever. Yeah. My, follow my yeah. fascination. Yes. Follow that fascination. Follow your fascination girl. Friday for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ooh, that's a good title. I'm writing that down. Write that down. <laughs> we both love words. I, well, I've been looking for a title for, you know, everyone has like Motivation Mondays or whatever. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. I like that. Thank you so I'll, much. I won't charge you extra. <laughs> no, thank you. You're not charging me anything. So that would be that's true. <laughs> and we get to see your cool hair from a side view because it's really oh, there awesome. it is. For those that are on there video, we get to see it's the shaved. Video. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, this is awesome. So we're, we're coming to like the last segment here. Okay. And the question that's coming to me is, um, what else do you want to share um, with our listeners about things that you've learned along your journey of, come, of going into the hole and coming out? And, mm-hmm. and things that you, you know, the anger was there and anything you want to share about, about that that you think will help people locate it or identify it or relate or be mm-hmm. willing to kind of just turn their head and look. Where, where they might need to look. Yeah, I think if you uh, have strong emotions, it won't be hard to find. <laughs> well, you said um, you never yeah. you never let yourself feel anger like that. Well, I felt it, but it was more like mild irritation way deep down there. I didn't realize how much was in there to actually, I didn't let myself express it. Yes, and I think that's yeah. common. We, like people that yeah. have that anger feel like it's gonna overtake them, like they're gonna become the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, and it might, and that's okay. You know what I mean? It's like anger has its own power. And of course, we don't want to pour it all over everyone. And we don't want to be, you know, irresponsible with our language if possible. But we're humans, you know? It's like telling this, the, a lion on the Serengeti to be gentler with how it kills its prey. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, we are who we are and we have the full spectrum of emotions. And whenever we block or refuse to accept or refuse to express at some level any one emotions, we block everything. You can't just block one without blocking everything. It causes a clog. Yeah. And, and then you, you carry that around without realizing it. And it causes things like, like if you, okay, so if you want an indication that you're, you're stuffing things and you're not sure if there's things that you have not given expression to, if you drop a dish and it breaks and you go, God damn, what the fuck, son of a bitch. You got some stuff. <laughs> you got some stuff in there. That is so freaking true. Oh my you God, that's awesome. You got some stuff awesome. in there. If someone cuts you off in, in traffic or just is like slow to let you into a lane and you have this like major road rage, you got some stuff in there. You know, if you're watching a commercial with puppies and you start bawling, there's stuff in there, you know? You know, don't take it too seriously. You don't have to like go on an excavating mission. Like I, I really try to urge people not to excavate too hard when they're on the healing journey because what happens when you dig in a wound that already exists too hard, you're going to make it bigger, right? So you want to be present to it. You want to be, have, you know, hold a kind of a space for it, like look at it, give love to it, but don't keep digging if, they're, if you've already kind of reached the capacity of your willingness or ability to handle what's already there in your awareness, right? Sometimes you do need some help. Sometimes you need a trusted friend or an advisor or a counselor or a therapist to just be there so that you don't feel like you're experiencing things alone. But if you want a clue, if you're having reactions to things that do not fit the thing, <laughs> that's a really big clue that you've got some stuff to process that maybe you want to sit with and be with and find a way to process through. Yeah. Beautiful. Anna, you're awesome. Thank uh, you thank for you, walking through your struggle that has a very clear purpose and following your fascinations all the way onto yes. my show. That's right. <laughs> so that's what the whole, that whole podcasting journey is. I'm like, oh, I'm fascinated with that. I'm going to 
follow that. It is. It's so fun. (laughs) And I just like feel like I feel almost so indulgent that I just like pick people I want to hang out with for a couple hours. You know, know, it's so fun. (laughs) So yeah, it was awesome. And uh, I um, I know that we're going to do a segment for our GFR squad members that's more in your hooping self-love mastery. So I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to that. Um, Is there any final thoughts that are coming to you that are for our conversation here. Yes, just that it is possible to heal uh, no matter how many times you return back to difficult emotions or things that you'd rather not feel or be, uh, that if you just keep going and you just keep trying, you just keep picking yourself back up, then you will be making your way there. That is the path. You know, The spiraling path is the path. And for me, success is not about the win. It's about how many times you're willing to pick yourself back up off the floor. To me, that's success. Agreed. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. I don't know about you all, but I want to go do something fun and silly like play with a hula hoop. I just love hearing about how she discovered the hula hoop. And she has an awesome free gift for our audience called the Five Simple Practices for a Better Day. Go grab that link in our show notes. And if this is your first time with us, make sure you subscribe to the show. Go to your favorite podcast listening app like Apple or Google Play or iHeartRadio. Search up the show, press the subscribe button so that you get the next inspiring story that is meant for your ear holes, (laughs) that is going to keep you going on this mission crazy journey of entrepreneurship. And for our GFR squad members, so this is our easy entry membership community for folks that just love this whole GFR thing, enjoy the podcast, and want to get real and keep it real. Anna does a bonus session called More Self, Less Talk. And this is hot off the presses. This was an awareness of something that she had happened just in the last couple of weeks about her self-talk. And it's for those of us that feel like we have that handled and she inserts a whole new idea that's going to crack that open and take it to a whole new level. So if you're in our GFR squad, you'll get to have that bonus training. And if you want to join the squad, go to gfr.life forward slash squad. Until next time, it was great being with you. Go find some way to have some fun today.